This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Okay, Tim, just wiggle the rabbit. Here? The rabbit. It's just Break. over Break. there. Just a bit quick close. Yeah, that's it. Now I can see the picture. Ah, perfect. It's tech pan number 52. And welcome to Tech Fan Number Fifty Two. My name is Tim Robertson, and uh, over there on that side of Skype is David Cohen. Hello. So, David, next week uh, Tech Fan is going to sound a little different. It's um, not, not going to be me and thee. You know, the we came up with this idea uh, a little while ago, and the idea, David, was all the different shows in the My Mac Podcasting Network uh, for one week and. Why not around Halloween? Because whatever. Uh, we all kind of switch shows. So next week, we are actually going to record Not Another Mac Podcast. And uh, Guy and Gaz are going to do another show. And it's just next week, all the shows in the My Mac Podcasting Network, with the exception of Mac Specialist and probably Geekiest Show Ever, because I haven't heard from those guys, um, we're all going to switch shows. We're going to have a little fun with it. That should be interesting. Now, are we gonna are we gonna try and imitate each other, or are we just gonna do our own thing? I, I think you just do your own thing. I mean, yeah. just just have fun with it. Really, when it comes right down to it, just just have fun with it. So, David, last week uh, I, I cheated on you a little bit. I I, I know. I, I I was I was hurt. I'm I'm actually quite. I'm I'm actually thinking about going to see my lawyer. I went back to my first love. no last week uh for and we didn't plan it out for this particular episode it just worked out that way but chad perry and i did a geekiest show ever and you know we had said on episode 41 when i introduced justin and uh uh why am i drawing a blank on his name travis travis thank you that chad chad perry and i still wanted to do geekiest show ever just occasionally well, we had planned uh, about a month ago to get together last Sunday and do so, and it just happened to be the 50th episode. Okay. So, Tech Fan number 50 was, or I'm sorry, uh, Geeky Show Over number 50 was me and Chad Perry. So, that's really weird. It was Sunday because I was around, and I guess I must have just missed the email. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um. No, it was, I tell you, I, I listened to it just the other day, and it was really, it was really fun hearing you guys. Uh, you know, it was just like the old days. You know, you had to re-record the thing twice because oh, it was terrible. You know, the, the garage <laughs> band just crashed. And at one point, because he said he hadn't seen the Green Lantern movie yet, and I said, "You haven't seen Green Lantern yet?" And he says, "No, I just haven't got to it." And I said, "How how could you be on a show called the Geekiest Show Ever and not have seen Green Lantern? That's on DVD at this point." I said, "You know, this is an audio podcast, Chad. People can't see." That you have your geekiest show ever uniform on, and you have that patch on your shoulder there, and I went, no more patch for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just very natural, you know. It was, and yeah. he didn't know I was going to do that. And he was cracking up, and yeah. it was a good discussion. And then we looked at the monitor, and boom, GarageBand quits. Uh, that's the way it goes. I don't. So I guess Apple, I guess Apple just likes to keep podcasters on their toes. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, I it didn't crash after that. So what are you going to uh, do? I, I I've talked to Guy about this a couple of times because I know he's had a lot of problems with GarageBand. I don't feel that GarageBand was ever designed to run fifty-minute-hour recordings, and I think it just it just doesn't do that stuff very well. I think it was it was always aimed to be a music a piece of music software, yeah. and they added podcast stuff to it. But I, I just I think it's it's a real sledgehammer when when all you want to do is record audio. It's a real sledgehammer to crack that nut, and uh, I, you know I just I just think it's just never been designed to be that stable for that that sort of task. Well, if there's any uh, developers out there, write some podcast recording software. I guarantee you, you'll get more commercial time doing so for your software company than anything else you could possibly write. I mean, 
every podcaster, at least that's on a Mac, would just, and let's be honest, most podcasters seem to be Mac users. Um, you'll just get all kinds of, of free commercial time. And, and, you know, I do wish that somebody would do some software for the iPad that was really set up for doing that sort of thing as well, because it's, it's just not there. Even GarageBand on the iPad is not up to the job of, of editing podcasts. So, David, what is going on in the tech world this week? I know that you want to talk a little bit about the, the not necessarily the amount of money Apple earned in their last earnings call, but the reaction from both uh, the Wall Street types and the Mac press, or the the PC press, or the tech press, well, however you want to... It wasn't just even the tech, the tech press, actually. It was the general media. Um, there seems to be this thing now. I, Apple is... A, is personifies this problem but it's not the only case where unless you literally not unless you literally break a record every time you you do something either launch something or issue results or something like that then then you you're viewed as an abject failure and all you get is negative coverage and that's exactly what happened to apple this week they, you know they are growing they are they, they're growing enormously they made a quarter on uh, compares to the previous quarter of previous year over two billion dollars more profit uh, compared to the previous quarter of the year before, and yet because the uh, because they didn't exceed their own guidance by more than twelve thirteen percent, the the general the general press was oh Apple's had a disappointing quarter. I mean it's just nuts. And then the same happened to Microsoft this week as well. They issued they issued results that were you know probably one of their best quarters ever, and the stock price nearly halved. You know, it's just like it's I've been insane. I've been compl- well. A lot of people say, "What are these people protesting?" I don't know if the Occupy yeah. Wall Street and all that. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't really kept on top of it because I work. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of these protesters, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, it's cool that you guys are civic minded and you're blah 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 blah, but what's the message and i i'm not really hearing much of a message other than uh, i think the rich are too rich and the poor are too poor and i'm like duh it's been like that forever um, yeah and, and and unfortunately just like the capitalism process from a few years back um whenever you get that sort of thing starts to get get major coverage then you get a, a certain set of guys who always turn up to these sort of things move in and kind of take it over uh, and and the message is lost then yeah, and I, I st- I'm still kind of unclear of what it's about. I'm all for uh, peaceful civil disobedience. <laughs> I got to yeah. clarify that. Um, and one of our listeners, uh, Ian McShane, actually suggested we talk about how the people who are protesting and stuff is using technology. And I said, well, we actually did that during the London protests. Yeah. Um, and I think that conversation, you know, just a month and a half or so ago, uh, two months ago, still holds true that you can use the technology for good and evil. I mean, yeah, it's that's just the way of life nowadays. You can use Twitter to to set up violent protests, and you can set up Twitter to use it for peaceful protests. And the technology themselves, David, aren't the problem. It's how people are using them. And I look at it the same way when it comes to Wall Street in that they they set these high expectations and for whatever reason, it seems like companies live and die by what Wall Street thinks of them. And I think it's a huge problem and I would love to see people kind of start protesting that. Companies can't succeed when some guy in Wall Street sets an expectations for their company and he doesn't know crap about it. They don't meet his expectations. So the value of the company goes down. It just seems backwards and wrong to me. Well, yeah, I, it, the problem is it's, it's all a matter of degree. I think that obviously if you go back to when uh, financial and, anal- anal- you know, analysis started, people did want to know who to invest in and whether a company was marginal and wasn't growing very well, which suggested it might be weak and therefore might not be worth investing in. That was a valuable service. But what value is there to tell, uh, a, to tell the media and to tell a potential investor that Apple has had a weak quarter when that is just it's patently not true? 
what's what's the only true is oh well i set a bar which i kind of plucked out the air for what i thought they were going to do uh, and in one aspect of their sales which was iphone sales they didn't meet it and and everybody knows why they didn't meet it because they had a delayed launch of the 4s so there was a whole load of people who, rather than buying a phone when they would normally have done, when they came out of contract or whatever, said, well, I'm going to wait for the next phone. So all that money's going to be clawed back. It looked like it was clawed back last weekend. Yep. So, you know, th- this, is, this is the sort of thing that happens in the rational world, but yet in that little financial media tech bubble echo chamber, instead what you get is a few people who say, oh, well, I've decided that because they didn't th- say what I thought they were going to do, uh, which was something that I just pulled out of the air, I'm going to say they had a weak quarter. And, of course, everyone then starts repeating it, and it becomes um, an overwhelming message. And I, I, even saw, I even saw stories on Sky News, on the BBC, suggesting that, that, that Apple had had a weak quarter. And then, as, a, as I said, Microsoft issued their results, and because the dynamic of the Microsoft business has changed, people were reporting it negatively. And this is a company that's making billions of dollars in three months. It's just insane. And it's so divorced from reality. It just frustrates me immensely. And, the, and I, I can't, I've said this to you before. When you understand an industry or you know a little bit about something or a, a topic, whether it be finance, whether it be the tech industry, whether it be computers or whether it be something else that you're an expert on, I don't know, cars or whatever, and then you hear something reported and you think to yourself, that reporter is, is talking, it's, it's, it's a load of bogus rubbish. They don't understand the topic they're reporting on. You then start start to worry, well, is everything I'm told actually wrong or told by people who, who have boiled it down to such simplicity and have stuck their own agenda in that actually it doesn't reflect real, the real world? And I'm, start, I'm really starting to – maybe I'm getting cynical as I get older. I'm starting to feel that that is the way everything is presented to us now in either – you know, the editors decide it's going to be a good story or a bad story and then they spin it accordingly. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I also think that we live in a 24-7 news cycle now, and that's kind of the necessary evil, that they have to say something. The cameras are running. The websites are being updated. Uh, They have to report on something. And in this uh, day and age, let's be honest, geeks rule the world, and technology is... It's everybody now. I mean... The jocks to the nerds to the, you know, everybody now has an iPhone-like device. They all have computers. Most of them are on Facebook. And so they're interested in the technology, even if it's, ooh, how's this company doing? And I think that's a lot of the reason that we just have this 24-hour news cycle, and they just have to throw stuff out there. So they, I, I don't think they're inherently trying to be deceitful. I just think that, you know, you can't have an expert in every field working at every news organization. And they've got that 24 hours to fill up. It's kind of bizarre to me, though, because one of the reasons all this technology has been developed is supposedly to improve communication. And by making communication easier and faster and more available, we've actually, we've actually lowered the tone of the communication itself because the people can't keep up. I think there's something to that. We should... I think it might be kind of good to find some experts in this discussion, David, and have them on the show one time. Get somebody from yeah. a news organization, see if we could find someone from a finance type of guy, and get them on the show and bring these topics up and see what they have to say. Yeah, because because we ourselves are ignorant um, when it comes to what they do, and I don't want to fall into the same trap that we're kind of accusing them of doing. That's that's fair enough. That's fair enough to me, too. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I, we're going to play a quick commercial for the Mac Specialist podcast. I hope you guys know that the Mac Specialist actually has launched their podcast. Their first episode's out. They've recorded episode two. That's probably going to go live next week. Uh, Frank and Kevin are very uh, excited to be podcasting, and we're very excited to have them part of the My Mac Podcasting Network family of shows. So let's take a listen. Frank, I am really excited to be starting up the Mac Specialist Podcast with you. Yeah, me too. I think we're going to have a lot of fun, and I think we're going to be able to help people. And we're totally going to be famous. Famous? I'm not certain we're going to get famous. Yeah, dude. Everybody listens to podcasts. Who listens to podcasts? 
Al Gore. Al Gore listens to podcasts? I'll bet he does. Well, I mean, I suppose he was the vice president, but I thought he was more into, like, polar bears and stuff. They listen to podcasts, too. Polar bears listen to podcasts? Does that mean we should talk about snow? Maybe once we get around Christmas. Sounds good. In any case, I'm still pretty excited about the Max Specialist podcast. Absolutely. Back with tech fan number 52, David Cohen. Someone's knocking a building down close to you, huh? <laughs> there's, a, there's an old soap factory right next door to our office, and um, they're slowly... I don't think they're knocking it down, but they're just kind of ripping the guts out of it. Like they're going to turn it into hotel or something like that it's pretty noisy yeah here in the united states especially where i live here in west michigan it seems like there's a lack of respect for history and and instead of refurbishing an old building uh, gutting it out and putting the new inside but the the facade of the building the outside still looks the same and it still holds that rich history um from what i know of of london area where you live the UK in general, you guys have a very deep respect for history, and you guys don't necessarily knock down an old building to put up a 20-story parking garage. Well, it, in some ways, it kind of depends on the on the building. Is There's been an interesting debate the last few weeks here. Um, we have a lot of... Obviously, um, England was quite heavily bombed during the Second World War. Yeah. So we lost a lot of historic buildings, buildings that have been around for hundreds of years. Um and there were some cities, I mean, the city I live in, Manchester, was fairly heavy bombed. There were some cities like Coventry that were virtually destroyed. And in the post-war years, the 50s and the 60s, there was a lot of architectural experiments done with um, post-modern buildings and brutalist buildings, which, you know, kind of those very grey, concrete, sure. uh, angular buildings that um, often don't weather very well and haven't lasted too well. And um, there's a real, well, been a real movement in Britain for a long time to destroy those buildings, get rid of them. And uh, the, the the latest one they're trying to knock down is, is a bus station in Preston, which is a city not far from here. Um, they want to destroy the bus station and redevelop the whole area. And people are against it. Some people are against it because they say this bus station is one of the finest remaining examples of 60s brutalist concrete architecture and um it certainly is i mean it's one of the biggest concrete buildings in the world but obviously you know it's 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 a building that a lot of people don't really like and so i i think the question then becomes what do you do with a building like that do you try and protect it because it's representative of an architectural er error um and and yet try and keep it around when a lot of people really don't like it um, the the people trying to knock it down want to get rid of it because it's it's not particularly well built and it's very expensive to maintain and they want to build shops where it is now, um, but you know so so I guess the whole heritage thing really depends on what you're talking about. The less attractive and and loved a building is, the the more likely it is to get flattened. I think. Yeah. Where do you come down on the that particular case? Well. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's, I, I, I'm, I have I, I appreciate architecture. I love architecture. I, my favorite architecture style is Art Deco, mm -hmm. um, and I love those. You know, stuff like the Chrysler Building, the Empire State Building. We have a couple of really fantastic Art Deco buildings here in Manchester that I absolutely adore. Um, brutalism is is one of those things that I grew up in a town that had a lot of it and uh, and didn't really appreciate what it was. Now, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate what it represents a little bit more. I. I one of the reasons these buildings aren't particularly liked is because they look ugly because they're not well maintained. Um, and if you don't maintain a concrete structure, then it will decay to the point that you really do need to get rid of it. Yeah. I, I can see some of the aesthetic appeal and, uh, and the, the architectural ambition that was put into some of these buildings uh, as, as I've, I've come to understand a bit more about it, but I do understand how people don't like some of them as well. I, I, I know that here in the UK there there are some tax breaks that mean that it's often cheaper to knock a building down and, and build something else there than it is to refurbish an existing building. So I guess that there's that economic driver, but it, 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 it sometimes it's sad to see a really good quality building destroyed and there's something that's very cheap and nasty put up in its place, and that happens a lot. So the good segue that I was kind of going for, and you you helped me along, and I didn't even tell you that I was going to do this was I like older things as well 
but I don't necessarily want to use older things. And I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. I, I came across an old monitor. And it was, you know, a beige monitor, and it wasn't very attractive. But I started thinking about the monitors that I've used in the past and the, and the history of monitors. And we like to put the emphasis on computing power, David. Mm. How fast these computers are, how much RAM they have now compared to the old days. But I think one of the things that get overlooked is the monitors. And I'm talking about... For instance, my first monitor was a CRT that yeah. I actually owned. And I remember trading up this little 12-inch CRT monitor that only got 256 colors to yeah. like a, uh, oh, geez, I think it was a 15-inch. And it had built-in speakers, and I just thought it was the bomb, you know. And it got millions of colors, and oh, my God, millions of colors. And it seemed so much better. And, you know, that was 1995 or 1996. I mean, it, that wasn't very long ago No, in the history of technology. Jump ahead now, David. We're holding phones with a better display than a computer monitor had just in 95. That's right. I mean, it is amazing. I, I very clearly remember as a child, um, I, I, got a, uh, I got given out one of these handheld LCD games not not a Nintendo game or watch, but something similar like that. And I remember remember playing it and showing it to my showing it to my dad. And my dad said, "Oh, you know, it's." He was amazed how clear the graphics were on it because yeah. obviously those LCD gate those games basically it was like animation. They each each thing that lit up was kind of like drawn rather than um, made from from a pixel map. Um, so so they were very clear. And he's, I remember my father saying, he said, wouldn't it be good if you, could, if you could get a TV like this in your hand? Yep. You know, and of it, course, not long after that, you were able to get the first ones. And now you, can get, you get something in your hand that will run for hours and, and you know, shows much better pictures than even the TVs of 10, 15 years ago could. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how it's developed kind of alongside everything else. Well, I think that it's, it had to because everything else wouldn't have mattered. We could get smaller and faster CPUs and put them in handheld devices. We can get, you know, flash memory that, you know, holds a lot of data for a relatively cheap amount of money compared to what it used to be. But none of this would have ever taken off if we were still on a liquid crystal display that's just black and white. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we had to have the display technology matching and it, not just how it looks, but its power consumption as well, because that 15-inch monitor from back in the day weighs more than the 27-inch iMac I'm sitting in front of right now. Yeah. And that was just a monitor. This is a monitor, 27 inches. It's huge and beautiful. It looks better than TVs did 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a great it's a great monitor, but it's also the entire computer inside of it, and it still weighs less than the 15 inch. It's almost twice the size, and yet it weighs half as much. And I think it's fascinating how far the display technology has come in a relatively short amount of time. You know, when we started podcasting um, back in 2004 or in 2005, I remember having discussions about else or uh, plasma televisions is that is i really wanted a plasma television and here we are in 2011 and plasma is kind of dead it's yeah. all lcd now LCD, yeah. it's crazy where do I, you I, see this going do you see can they get much thinner and can they get much bigger i mean you know i i, I live in a, probably a little bit bigger house than you do but even in my living room, I can't have a 55-inch television. I would have to turn my head to, to follow a conversation that's too big. Yeah, I, we, our living room is probably big enough for a TV of that size, but we'd have to sit right down the far end. Yeah. And we, we don't. We, 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 we kind of have the room split in two, so we won't want to do that. We've got a 37-inch that, um, that we bought. It's about, it's only about three, four years old. but So it was still it a nice wasn't. TV. It's a nice TV. It wasn't expensive when we bought it. It was. It's a cheap, no-name one, but um, we kind of locked out in that it's, it's a fairly good one. Um, it, it it is a mate, and and 
it, it killed me to buy that TV. Not because I needed a new TV, because I did, but I replaced a 32, uh, a 32-inch Philips widescreen CRT TV with that. Uh-huh. Now, that Philips TV, I'd had it for about eight years, and I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, well over £1,000 for that TV. Um, and because it was CRT, when I sold it, I... I couldn't get more than 50 quid for it yeah I mean, well that's the thing i mean we we got rid of it because it kept on breaking down uh and every time it broke down this the tv guy would come around and he would he would schlep it i mean this thing was enormous and weighed a ton and he would kind of manhandle it out the front door and get it into his into his van take it away and spend a couple of the days working on it and then bring it back again and after the third time i, I said to my wife i said we can't do this anymore this is ridiculous yeah um, you know, but it, it it was a good TV, but uh, I mean, it it just literally became obsolete and worthless in in a relatively short period of time. You know, um, one of the technologies because I was into uh, you know home audio before I was into home computers, and I, and I've said the story a few times that I started my Mac magazine back in the day because I wanted to hone my writing abilities so I could write for uh, Stereo Review magazine. But I was looking at the monitors, and you know, I had a first-generation CRT HD TV, and I still have it. Damn thing weighs like 120 pounds. I mean, when I move it, I have to take you know at least a half-hour break afterwards just to recover. <laughs> I mean, it's so damn heavy. Yeah. But that being, and it still gets a good picture. We still have it. It's here in my office. It's what the Wii and the PS2 and the old video game systems are hooked up to. Um. And, you know, we've got the 46-inch Sony in the living room at this point. But what really hasn't changed and kept pace with the monitor technology, let alone computers, is the stereos. That's kind of a dead industry now. I don't know too many people who are going out of their way to get a big hi-fi system. And we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. That it kind of morphed into home entertainment. But even that, it really hasn't changed in the last 10 years. I mean... Well, uh, yeah, I guess the problem is is that people just don't listen to music like that anymore. No, they you listen see, to televisions. They listen they to listen movies. They listen to TVs or they listen to portable devices. They don't tend to listen to big stereos anymore. And the stereo in my house, it's, it's still up there on the shelf. I don't think it's been turned on in four years. I mean, literally, we have, it's there on standby. We haven't used it in four years. You know, My, it, it, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, if you want to play play a CD, you rip it to the computer, and then you can play it anywhere you want. You know, yeah. You just you just don't need to. You know, almost don't need a stereo anymore. I I kind of wish the next progression of televisions would include high end receivers and amplifiers, so you can hook multiple speakers up your surround sound system to the television itself. Um. And I know there's been a little bit of movement in there over the years, but no one's ever really done it well. It's always been kind of an afterthought, and they're, they sound like crap. But the pro- that's I think what I the would prob- like. Yeah, the problem with that is that sighting lots of speakers around your room is hard, and I don't think most people who buy TVs are interested in that. That's true. You know, I, that's the difficulty. And the, the guys who are interested in doing that, they don't want to buy an integrated amplifier. They want to buy a separate home stereo amplifier that they can kind of customize to exactly what they want. Um, But audio in general, though, I mean, the whole concept of speakers and amplifiers, it's all kind of fallen to the wayside at this point. Um, When I got into computers, one of the best upgrades you could do is, is connect a really good pair of computer speakers to it. When's the last time that you've seen anybody give a crap about computer speakers? I, I I agree with you. I mean, I, I reviewed a set for my Mac uh, a few years back that sound amazing. I forget what the brand name is now. They sound absolutely amazing. Whether it's, it's two small monitors that sit on the desk and a subwoofer that goes underneath. And these things are phenomenal in terms of the sound quality. So much so that I actually contacted the company who uh, sent us a review notes and said, can I buy these from you? Because I don't want to send them back yeah. to you. And that's exactly what I did. And I have them hooked up to my... Um, have them hooked up to my xbox now so that uh so that when i play uh games in my uh, my xbox in my office and uh, funnily enough you talk about old monster i have a big 17 inch apple um crt monitor uh-huh. that, that's driving that's that's driven by the xbox 
because um, sometimes when it, my office is a is a conservatory, so sometimes during the day, if I'm want to have a quick game during the day, if I have an LCD in there for it, it gets a bit washed out by the sunlight. But the CRT can kind of compete. So, um, so I have kind of this old school thing, you know, with the speakers and these and the big CRT monitor on my Xbox. But it means that the games sound fantastic. <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> yeah, and, not, you know, it probably sounds it, better it, than it looks. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, if, particularly if I'm if I'm there on my own, I can turn the volume up. Um, you know, you get going on some of those some of those big uh, modern warfare type games. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I just wish that there was more. I don't know. I, I know what you mean. There's, there used to be a lot of engineering in terms of trying to get better sound from and, particular and it's just bots, died, and they just don't bother anymore. Yeah? I don't. Well, I don't know. If a few it's, niche companies working on it, but. I don't know if it's the 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 fact that we're used, listening to compressed music more, you know, as MP3s and AC, AAC files and all that stuff, but uh, or ACC files. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, but yeah, but you'd have thought that. Uh, I mean, that in itself might be true, but you'd have thought that gaming and also high definition television, you know, a, a DVD or a Blu-ray has a fantastic quality of audio on it, and it and it, in some ways it's a shame if that's just being pump through a set of cheap tv speakers rather because it adds so much to an entertainment oh yeah no question i remember back in the day i had a 27 inch uh crt television tube i guess you'd say but it wasn't tubes but you know and i had a really nice surround sound system for it. the sound was so much better than the picture and i remember putting in the movie days of thunder an old time cruise movie yeah i remember uh, to to impress people with my surround sound because at one point He's in there and he's driving this race car to show off what he can do that he be- he could become a race car driver. And he says, I'm dropping the hammer. And the other guy says, no, you're not. And he does. And he goes around the track. And at that point in the movie, the, the race car, literally the sound goes around your whole room. And it sounded so badass on my sound system. Yeah. Uh, the movie wasn't very good. I mean, it's a racing Tom Cruise movie. But, oh, it sounded so badass. And, and it was... It always, always impressed people. Yeah. I guess the other thing that kind of, you know, that you're talking about monitors has brought brought to my mind. I, I was talking to somebody on eBay the other day who's selling an Apple IIc. And uh, I was toying with the idea of buying it. And uh, I emailed him because I said it was being sold without a monitor. And he had it, looked like he had it plugged into an LCD monitor on the uh, on the eBay picture. I said to him, I said, how can I get a picture out of this? Because I know I can't hook a VGA monitor into it. And he, he said, in, in the end, he said, oh, you know what, I think I've got the old monochrome monitor around here somewhere, I'll, I'll add it into the auction. But it did kind of get me thinking, there's an awful lot of vintage computer gear that before long, well, you're not going to be able to get a picture out of. No, because the monitors, if you don't have the monitor, well, I'll the give monitor- you a prime example. The, compu- the computer I started my Mac on was a Performa 410, and yeah. you needed a Macintosh monitor. And for those who don't re- remember or were too young to know, PCs and Mac used a different plug-in architecture for almost everything. The way you plugged in your keyboards, the way you plugged in uh, the monitors, the way you plugged in printers, it was all different. Uh, but the only thing they had in common was SCSI, but you didn't use SCSI for monitors. Yeah. So to get a PC monitor to work with your Mac, you had to buy this little dongle. And on this little dongle had like 10 little switches. So you'd plug it in, you'd start up your computer, and if you didn't see the picture, you'd adjust some of the, t- the little dongles on there, reboot until you got a picture. I mean, yeah. it was a nightmare. And I don't There's know how problem. I would hook up that Performa 410 today. I don't have a monitor that does that. No, well, this is the issue. And, of course, what's, ha- what's happening is that if you have proprietary connections, the monitors that that work with those computers, those will die quicker yep. than the computers will. You know, put a computer in a box and put it in a in an attic, it'll it'll survive okay. But monitors won't, you know, capacitors wear out over time just, just from age. Yep. You know, and you have a lot of high voltages flying around those things and, and if, if all the electronics aren't up to the job, it just doesn't work. And I can see a situation where we're actually going to be struggling to use vintage hardware and museums are going to be struggling as well in, in coming years because all the modern monitors just can't, you know, I mean, or even VGA is on the way out now, which is an analog standard. Everything's going digital. You're just not going to be able to hook uh, a TV or a monitor up to it. I think there'll uh, be specialty, you know, people out there who will build you a monitor. It'll be a modern monitor, 
but they'll do some wizardry in the back so you can connect these old devices and it will convert it and upscale it or whatever. So you can plug but, in those things. Yeah, but but that sort of stuff's very expensive because I asked the guy, this guy about the Apple IIc, I said, can, you know, is it possible to convert it to VGA? And he said, you can buy a converter, but they're very expensive, much more than the computer is worth. Yeah. He says, you're much better trying to stick with an original Apple monitor. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, a lot of the com- home computers from the 80s and the early 90s hooked up to TVs. But modern flat panel TVs don't have the connections for those anymore. They don't have the analog circuitry in anymore because the uh, the all the television transmission has gone digital. Yep. So um, you know you you don't get composite inputs anymore. You don't get RF inputs anymore. You literally have to have a little box that will do the conversion upstream before it even hits the television. Yeah. So so I can see, I can see it becoming a, a and real then, issue. Right? And, and then if you're talking about vintage computers and you have this little box that will do the up conversion. Are you really getting a true representation of what it looked like and felt like right, to use yeah. that computer, especially in a museum setting? Well, of course you're not. It was totally different of looking instead of looking at this even a relatively small nowadays 20-inch monitor compared to a green screen 9-inch monitor nine from inch, an yeah. IBM computer in the 70s and 80s. I mean, you, there's no comparison. You yeah. know, so you don't get that true representation. Hmm. So it's a bit of a shame, but I guess that's progress. And, uh, you know, just the same as with the buildings, 90% of people don't care about the old computers, you know, so so they don't really think about it. Well, you know, we had a recycling event uh, three weeks ago at Mac Specialist. And we didn't get a huge turnout this year because we had it in the fall rather than in the spring around Earth Day. That's when we usually have it, and we get a massive turnout. Um, so lesson learned, obviously we need to move it back to its old date, but we did get quite a few computers in there. People were dropping off and we had to charge $10 if you dropped off a CRT. I think we made like a hundred bucks or we, at least we collected a hundred bucks, but I was amazed at some of the stuff that was dropped off. Um, and you know, Mac specialist is full of a bunch of geeks. We love our geeky stuff. Um, what was it? It's, uh. Do you remember the computer system you were telling me about one of your first ones? What the uh, the the Sinclair spec, the Sinclair ZX eighty one. Mm-hmm. Or um, we got the BBC one. Mark. No, you the got Sinclair. Sinclair. We got a Sinclair in the box, brand new. Doesn't look like it's ever been <sighs> wow. opened. One of our guys grabbed it before I saw it. I could have pulled rank, but you know, yeah. finder's key. He got it. It had the uh, in the box. It had the computer. It had the power supply. Does it? It was still bent, the power supply, like it was still brand new, like it had never been yeah. taken out. It even had the little conversion box that you could hook up to your rabbit ears, your VHS in, in the United States anyways, so you can connect it to your television, that little right. dongle. Yeah, and, that, and that's the only way to get a picture out of that thing. It, it never connected to a monitor. It only ever went to a TV. That, that's a, a type of monitor that we didn't even hit upon. These devices, like a game system... Yeah, from back in the seventies and early eighties, that you couldn't connect it to some monitor, so you had to connect it to your television. Yeah, we had no idea how badly that really looked because no, remember well, in our caves back then they did have computer monitors in them. That's right. Yeah, and that's why they no. look so much better. <laughs> well, that's that's it. Well, you were converting twice because you got a digital signal out the computer. It had to go to analog to uh, to to co out to the TV and then the TV would then reconvert it again from an analog signal. So you were getting two processes. It, it really looked really bad. Yeah. DAC con- or DAD connectors, digital yeah. to, uh, to whatever, back to digital. And if, yeah, it was bad, but you know, there was a, it was something about, I mean, that's how we grew up, David. It, yeah. It, we kind of overlook, and that was kind of the thrust of this. We've, we've overlooked where we've come in a relatively short amount of time, and that if this, like I said earlier in the show, if this industry of displays didn't keep pace with the rest of the technology as it was advancing, everything else would have been irrelevant. That's right. I mean, it just, it would be you so know. different. And, and I, think, I think they will hit a peak. I don't, I, I, we're already seeing the entertainment industry. You know, Blu-ray adoption has not been as fast as they were hoping for. 3D TV. Who well, knows, and let's really, be honest. Uh, you know, Blu-ray 
this is the last hurrah for physical media. Yeah. There's there's not going to be anything that replaces Blu-ray because what's going to replace Blu-ray is already out there. It's streaming services. It's on demand. But the quality of the picture is not going to get much better. If anything, it'll probably go down if you go more to streaming. Uh, I mean, once, you, once you're at Blu-ray, I mean, where, where do you go? You could go to 4K, but who the hell wants to watch a 4K picture all the time? Hmm. You know, what's the advantage of just constantly putting higher resolution into, into what you're watching? Yeah, but that's what we do as a species, though. I mean, you know, you could have said that at, at Nintendo 64. We don't need video games that look any better than this. This looks great. You know, you looked at Super Mario World back then, and it's in, you know, 3D. I don't mean the 3D glasses, but I mean, you know, rendered in 3D. You could see his front and his side and all that. Yeah. Um, but we don't but need it already, better than that. Yeah, but we're already, with computer graphics, we're at the point, though, where you can see it's not far away that photorealism will, will be there. And once you've got a computer that can generate something that looks like the real world and you have a display that can show you something that looks like the real world, then you can't, you can't go, I mean, how can you, you can't go beyond reality. You're never going to, you know, at some point somebody can say, you know, what, those eyeballs you're using, they really need an upgrade because they can't keep up with the picture we're giving you. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're getting to. I can see that within sort of 10 years that photorealism on computer graphics displays will be such well there will be no point in trying to make it any better than that unless you try and plumb it directly to your head and of course we'll be here on tech fan to cover it so we're going to take 252 that's right (laughs) the implant edition so we're going to take a quick break listen to another ad from the uh fabulously successful and i'm highly enjoying listening to all the shows my mac podcasting network Hey, Guy, have you heard about Not Another Mac Podcast? Oh, not another Mac Podcast. Yeah, so you've heard of it then. Heard of what? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, you keep repeating yourself. I'm just telling you the name of the show. No, you don't. You keep telling me about Not Another Mac Podcast. Yep, that's the one. What's the one? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, you nitwit Brit, have, have you been drinking? No, you big yank tank. Listen. Not Another Mac Podcast is a roundtable discussion with Mac users and experts from all over the world. Hey, Gaz, we've been on that podcast. Are we experts now? Oh, brother. So, who's on first? What's on second? Third base. Not Another Mac Podcast is part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. You can find us in iTunes by searching for Not Another Mac Podcast or get it through the My Mac Potpourri podcast feed final segment tech fan number 52 tim robertson david cohen and david is out there spending money on technology gear um that's that's what i'm here for yeah you know, what, what'd you buy this time i bought a ipad one yeah you didn't have an ipad one before yeah <laughs> so you just bought another one they apple apple have have i think they're trying to run out their stocks of the iPad one now. They've been selling refurb iPads for a while. Um, but uh, this week, the iPad one refurbs really drops in price. And for less than I paid for my 32 gig Wi-Fi iPad, I got um, a 32 gig Wi-Fi and 3G iPad. Really? And uh, yeah, I think I paid £400 for the 32 gig Wi-Fi iPad originally when it launched. And this was 310 for 3G one. So I figured um, my iPad's got a couple of marks on it now, um, and uh, I'm not—I'm certainly not planning to go to an iPad two, iPad three. We'll, we'll, I'm just going to see what it what it features it offers before I make a decision on that. So I figured I might as well trade off my existing iPad for a for one with three G in it because there have been a couple of times when I've really kind of felt the need for having uh, you know proper wireless on it. Um, so, you know, cost to change is not huge for me. So I thought I'd give that a go. Um, and what I have to say this is the first, obviously, iOS 5 is just out. This is the first time I've had an opportunity to do a, um, basically use iCloud for it. And, it. and it's really quite amazing. The first time you do that, when you get a thing out of the box, it came with 4.3 on it. So I had to upgrade it via iTunes to 5. But once I had it on 5, I then did a, a reset on it. And uh, I selected restore from iCloud, connected to Wi-Fi, and left it there. And literally 30 minutes later, the thing looked like my old iPad. Hmm. It was absolutely amazing, you know. You, you know, 
I, I love my first-generation iPad, but I keep thinking maybe I would like to get a second-generation. But I can't find a compelling reason to do so, David. No. Uh, we, we bought an iPad 2 for my wife. She wanted one. Um, she wanted an iPad, and I said, well... And she was kind of ambivalent. She'd seen mine, obviously. She was kind of ambivalent. She'd been using a laptop for a while, and I said, look, if you can... The problem was she wanted to browse the web kind of around the house, but she would never... She can never be bothered to get the laptop out and do it, you know. Yeah. She had to get it out, pull it open, turn it on. Half the time the laptop wasn't charged, you know. And I said, an iPad would be much better for you. And really kind of what I think what tips her over the edge, we were away one weekend and um, my two-year-old daughter was kind of getting a bit fractious and I had some children's programs on my iPad and I kind of plonked her down on the sofa and stuck the iPad in front of her and kept her happy for about an hour and I saw a light come on in my, in my wife's eyes yeah that'll you do know? it <laughs> that was it and so I said to her I said look we'll sell the laptop and um, we'll get you an iPad with the money and so we did that and she definitely wanted the two because she wanted the cameras because she wanted to be able to Skype with me when I'm away or to um, and when my son was away over the summer, she was able to Skype with him using the iPad. So she really needed the camera, and for her, that was the sell for the iPad two rather than refurb iPad one. But if you don't need the cameras, I I don't really see that there's there's much in it. You know, my wife originally didn't want an iPhone, and now you couldn't pry it from her hands. I mean, yeah. she loves her iPhone. So I started talking about the possibility of uh, getting an iPad two. And her eyes lit up, and she goes, "So I'd get the, I'd get your iPad." And I looked at her. I said, "Do you, would, would you want my iPad?" And she went, "Yeah." The, this woman drives me crazy sometimes, man. She uh, absolutely did because I mentioned getting her an iPad at one point because she was sitting there playing with her iPhone. I was like, "Well, why don't we, we just get you an iPad? It's you know, bigger screen and blah blah blah." And she's like, "No, I'm happy with my iPhone." But then I say I'm thinking about upgrading the iPad for an iPad 2, but now she wants my iPad. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. You know, you, it's, it's almost like she enjoys depriving herself of something that I know she would enjoy when I could have got her an iPad months ago. <laughs> uh, but sometimes, sometimes there is some pleasure in... In you know, I call it. I say this in my life all the time. I say you've got to learn to postpone your gratification. Yeah, and it's sometimes there is some pleasure in that. In in saying, well, I'm not going to just indulge myself straight away. I'm going to wait until I feel the time is right and then have it because the pleasure you get from having it then is more than if you just went out and bought it straight away. Yeah, it's kind of like you know. I mean, you know, when we we're of a certain age, aren't we? You know, we're in our forties, so uh, it's kind of. We, we've we've reached that age where it's difficult to buy presents for us because whenever we want something, we go out and buy it. <laughs> you know, so when people say, "Oh, well, what would you like for your for your birthday?" You say, "Well, I've already got everything I want because the stuff I want, I went out and bought it." You know, my last <laughs> so, uh, my last birthday, and I totally agree with you. And as a matter of fact, yeah. I found out a video game came out last weekend that I really want. Actually, two, but I got the other one. Um, I wanted the new Batman Arkham City. And yeah. I'm playing that in my hotel, so I leave that in Chicago. And that's mm-hmm. my playing in the hotel. I, I got to play it for one night, and it was a lot of fun. It's a fun game, i got to say. So what are you playing that on in the hotel? Uh, well, they have a, uh, uh, I don't know, it's a 30-inch or so uh, flat panel TV in the, in the hotel. Oh, you take your game system with you? Well, I have a, an Xbox 360 there. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I got that, and I left it there. I didn't want to start over and bring it home, and so I was like, "Ah, that'll be the game I play in the hotel." But another game also came out, which didn't get a lot of press, and it's a franchise that I love, and it's called Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. And I've got every game in that entire series. I love the Ratchet and Clank games, and they had a new one that just came out, and of course that's PS3 only. So I told my wife today that, you know, I want to go at some point today and get the uh, new Ratchet and Clank game, and. That would have made a perfect Christmas present, but I don't wait to December to play that game. I'm dying to play it, you know? It's like, eh, I want to play it now. Yeah, so I'm right. totally with you. We we buy what we want when we want for the most part. Um, yeah. And I am all about the instant gratification. I really am. I, I'm sick like that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting you say that. I'm, I probably will deliberately hold off on Arkham City and see if somebody picks it up for me at, at the end of the year. Because, it's a really uh, fun game. Well, I, I really liked Arkham Asylum. Well, this is and, better um, than Arkham Asylum because yeah. it, it gets you out of the corridors and you're just in the city. Um, it's yeah. kind of a Spider-Man web-slinging type of thing going on, as well as gliding. Yeah. But the, the combat is better. Um, you can just be checking out the, you know, well, it's Arkham City. It's technically a part of Gotham. But you're yeah. checking it out, and you come across some bad guys, and you're like, they don't see you, A. So you're like, okay, I could just jump down there and beat the crap out of them. I could sneak down there and see how many I could take away with my... Uh, um, stealth attack. Yeah. Or I could just keep going. I don't even mess with them because they don't even know I'm here. Yeah. It's so much fun. I'm really digging it. It's it's everything that Arkham Asylum is, but ten times better. So cool. you definitely want to get this game. If someone doesn't get it to you for Christmas, just go buy it because you won't <laughs> regret it. It's really yeah. fun. I want to play it now as, as I'm talking about it, but the earliest I'll be able to play it is Monday night in the hotel room. Now, interestingly, I, I wonder. We're, we're starting to see it now. I wonder how how long it's been before some of these really big AAA platinum titles start coming to the iOS. Well, I I said this on uh, Geekiest Show Ever Fifty that Rockstar has announced that GTA Three is coming to iOS. Yeah. Initially, they said it was going to be for the iPhone 4S and the iPad 2 only. But now they're saying, no, it's going to come to the rest of them as well, just not immediately. Um, And, of course, it's a 10-year-old game. But I think it's showing that... I think it's going to be a test bed. If a lot of people pick up this 10-year-old game and they make a couple million bucks from it, why not release GTA V? Why not release Modern Warfare or whatever? Special Ops? Why not? I mean... These other titles could find not necessarily a different home on iOS, but a second home at least. That it's still going to be on the 360, and it's still going to be on the PS3 and the Wii, but it'll also be on these. Maybe in a slightly different factor. You know, you don't have all the control schemes, but they could be just as successful, if not more so, than they will on the other platforms. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Wing Commander on iOS. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a franchise that, you know, let's just... It, somebody out there listening has to have some money, right? we got to have at yeah. least one rich guy listen to the show. All they have to do is invest in us. We'll buy the rights to Wing Commander, put together uh, a studio, and re-release them. I mean, there was what, basically four episodes to the whole thing. Release one a year or one every six months, and we'll make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I, I, I don't. Chris, I don't see the problem. Yeah, I wonder what Chris Roberts is doing now. We've got to track that guy down. There you go. So, David, uh, I think we ought to wrap up tech fan number fifty-two before GarageBand decides to quit on me. Uh, again, next week, uh, David and I won't be here. Tech fan will probably come out uh, a little bit earlier next week. It's probably not going to be released on Friday. Uh, Mark from. Uh, <laughs> Not Another Mac Podcast is going to be recording, I believe he's recording either today or this weekend, David. Um, right. So it's going to be a different type of show. It's not going to be me and David. We're not, I have no idea what they're going to talk about, but that's going to be the fun of this Switch Week. That we're all kind of you know, hijacking another show and just having some fun with it. I'm, and if you want to hear David and I next week, uh, next Friday download and listen to not another mac podcast and that's where david and i will be cool and we'll have to put a little forethought into next week's show since it's not our own yep because once again david we had zero plans going into this show we we didn't we plan w- this out at all <laughs> we are winging it well you know not everyone could do that let's be honest but i think that you and i are actually pretty good when it comes to what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Well, let's just hit record and see what the show is. Yeah. If I didn't know better and I listened to the show back, I would have thought that we had all this stuff planned out. And yeah. <laughs> don't open the kimono too much. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the thing, I mean, to anybody who, who wants to attempt 
this sort of thing. Uh, the beauty of a of a podcast is that you know it's not it's not being streamed live. So if if you do something it doesn't work, then you can cut that bit out and you can put something else in, or you can have another go and get get and what you and want. So and again, David, there's no rules in podcasting. We don't have to come out with a show that's roughly an hour every week. We nope. could come out with a half hour show one week and an hour and a half show the week after. Uh, we generally stick to close to an hour. We're usually between 55 minutes and an hour and five, somewhere right around in there. And yep. I just, that's kind of the comfort level where I am with, with this particular show. But if yep. somebody out there wants to record their own show, there's no rules. You, you, it doesn't even have to be weekly. It could be monthly if you want. Um, if you're interested in podcasting and you think, yeah, you know what? I might be good at that, but I don't know. Get a hold of me. And I'll be happy to work with you to help you develop a show. And I'll even, you know, if it's if I feel that it's a show that people would actually want to listen to, uh, I'll produce it. And we can put it as part of the MyMac Podcasting Network. And that goes for any other podcaster. If you're currently, uh, you know, producing a show, you've got a show out there, and you don't feel like you're getting any traction, and you like to become a part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, and it doesn't have to be a tech show, it doesn't have to be about Mac, it could be pretty much anything... Send us an email. It's tim at mymac.com, and we'll uh, talk about getting you on the network. So, David, if they want to find you on Twitter, where are you at? I'm David B. Cohen at Twitter. And I am at mymac. And if you want to contact the show, it's feedback at mymac.com. Or, preferably, which no one seems to do, and I'm thinking about letting it expire at this point, uh, you can leave a message on our Skype answering system. It's one eight zero one. Nine three eight five 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 nine, and you know, David, I went back and I hadn't listened to it until my drive home from Chicago yesterday. I actually listened to our fiftieth episode uh, about the death of Steve Jobs, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a pretty powerful show. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, if- it was. I've, yeah, I've, I have listened to it, and I agree with you. I think um, there's there's been a little bit of. Uh, even even in the Mac community, a, bit, a little bit of a backlash the last week or so. Somebody somebody else on Twitter said, "Oh, when we when are people going to stop showing kind of Steve's picture in their Twitter avatars?" And you know, what, at what point is it is it okay not to be sad about it anymore? And um, you know, and then somebody a conversation I had on the actually on the the staff list where somebody said, "Oh, I'm, I won't say I was grieving because I mentioned the word grief." You right. know, oh, grie- grieving is only what you do for um, for close family. And I'm, I'm saying, well. I don't agree. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm grieving, not that I'm thinking about it a lot because because I'm not. But you know, it, when I do stop and think about it, I feel sad, and I feel sad for the reasons we said that you know they would have been saying who, the same thing had John Lennon died rather than Steve yeah. Jobs. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a little bit more of a crass, uncaring society, or maybe it's just kind of goes back to what I said earlier. It's a twenty-four hour, seven day a week news cycle. And you could get burned out of this stuff fairly quickly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess. I guess, but uh, you know, I, I think I, there'll be there'll be more of it this week because obviously his biography is is due to be launched. You know, this coming week. Is and, it? Uh, is it this coming yeah. week? It's coming out. Yeah, because there's been a lot of excerpts in the news today, um, and um, that's going to be very interesting reading. Very, very interesting reading. Well, and I Steve's think- so dedicated. He so wanted this book to go big um that i have to imagine that if he gave someone all access he probably gave them all access uh the the, the stuff i've seen today that hit the new because it's kind of being previewed and and trailed uh, is pretty it's pretty personal you know he talks about how he dealt with the cancer he talks about how he felt about you know when eric schmidt left google and and they started with android and that sort of thing um it, it really sounds like he he didn't pull any punches in terms of putting his, you know, his thoughts behind some of the decisions he's made over the years. And for a man who, let's face it, we didn't know anything about him behind what he did at his, his keynotes, really. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating, truly, truly fascinating. You're going to buy the book? Some, I've already got my pre-order on the Kindle. Did you? Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like I, I'm going to have to buy it on iBook just because it's Apple. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't really think of that actually. 
actually, just when I saw it was up on Amazon, they, they sent me an email. I thought, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to pre-order that. And uh, I've got to travel to Botswana at the end of next week, so I'm going to have a nice long flight to read it. So I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to Yeah. <laughs> so we will be back in uh, one week. But again, remember, not tech fan next week for us, David. It's going to be not another Mac podcast. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks here on Tech Fan number 54.